Welcome back to Volume 3 of A Song of Philanthropy and Pedophilia, the podcast where we ask the question, will we finish this and get all seven out before George R. R. Martin does? Well, anyways, we uh, dug deep into the archives for this look at the Gateses all the way back to April of 2019, when the New York Times decided to write a nice big piece on uh, Melinda Gates and her new book. Uh, this is all the way back when I was not on the show. It's just Colin, Greg, and a very special guest, Ian Edwards. And they are talking in the, this is the famed one mic days, when there's just one mic hanging from the ceiling of Greg's boat, and everybody just sat around it and talked into it like they were talking into a can back in the good old days of radio. Well, uh, hopefully that sold it. <laughs> I don't know why it would have, but there's a nice long clip talking about Melinda Gates. Finally, we get to hear from the woman behind the man who's behind Jeffrey Epstein. All right, enjoy. So there was a New York Times or New York Times Mag or New York yeah magazine? New York Times Magazine yeah New York Times Magazine piece that was sort of a little chit chat with Melinda yeah. Gates Melinda Gates uh, um, profiled interviewed in New York Times Magazine um, just one of the most banally brain dead things yeah tell me tell me more yeah so uh so the so the headline of this is melinda gates on tech innovation global health and her own privilege Ooh, this sounds like it's gonna be woke as fuck okay so it opens up talking about how we have this societal problem of ultra wealthy philanthropists or at least framing it in fairly sympathetic terms to the 99 percent and uh so one of the funniest things that comes out of this they quote her a little bit is that um the bill and melinda gates foundation its endowment is 50.7 billion which is the largest in the world this is followed up with but we're lucky to live in a democracy where we can all envision what we want things to look like so her idea of democracy is they are able to have this wealth and envision what they want to do with it. Well, and that we can too. Oh, we can. We don't have oh, wealth, but we live in a democracy. We can so in, we, because we live in a democracy. We can dream. We all can dream. It's just some people can dream more than others. Exactly. Or turn their <laughs> dreams can into reality. Fulfill those dreams. Yeah. yeah. It's like be checking off that bucket list. Is this kind of the royal we? She's using. <laughs> yeah. A little bit. Yeah. Uh, so the first few questions are pushing her, uh, about this. The question is when you meet with other wealthy philanthropists, do you find that anyone is grappling in a serious way with their own culpability for problems mm. like growing income inequality that are, at, that are at the root of issues they're trying to solve? And well, that's like a real question at least. Oh, totally. And, um, 
But not wealth inequality, I noticed. Just income inequality. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's it. Um, and basically she says, well, we're recruiting new billionaires from all over the world. Uh, she says Indian and India and China, they're all coming to give the giving pledge, which is Warren Buffett's thing of when you die, you give, I don't know, N percent of your wealth to away to charity, uh, not to your children. So she concludes this with, but I'm stunned by how many visits we're hosting at the foundation now with philanthropists, not even billionaires, millionaires asking us, how did you think about philanthropy? How did you do it? So she just completely dodges a question and says, there are lots of ways to engage with philanthropy and our model of like this sort of ultra wealthy philanthropy is growing. Hmm. We're, yeah. we're recruiting new people every day. Yeah, she doesn't answer. <laughs> no, the question. Are people gra- even gra- grappling with this, much less how? No. Just saying, there's more and more rich people all the time. And sometimes people with only $500 million, like just millionaires, <laughs> not even billionaires, were getting involved, which yeah. she was, seems very surprised. Yeah, that, by. Is, that is groundbreaking. So, this, and I mean, this goes, this is true, this is real. This, them and Warren Buffett have evangelized philanthropy. Yeah. Like, this is, you know, it's an old American, like, thing in, in this country. Well, I guess they've had to bring it back along with, someone was going to do it. Well, it's because the new Gilded with, Age. With, with the new Gilded Age, with exploding in wealth inequality, philanthropy's got to come back as, like, the cover that it is. So they're, <laughs> like, the camouflage, the, the, the sort of conscience, uh... Flatterer, someone was going to bring it back. It happens to be them. That's all she's saying. We are bringing back philanthropy in a big way. Yeah, and it rocks. Now to... it's global. She says there's 190 people in this exclusive club. Uh, so the next question is when you're in giving pledge meetings, would it ever fly to ask people not just to give more, but to take less? <laughs> <laughs> Again, credit to New York yeah. Times Magazine for doing, like, asking real questions Someone here. Someone was trying, and I'm going to read this one in full because it's pretty short. Look, there are going to be lots of points of view in the room about that topic, but I think you frame it as, what do we want for our democracy? How do we want the country to look and act and be 50 and 100 years from now? I will tell you that many people in that room want better outcomes for low-income people in this country. They want to see things get better. Okay, so you just said how we, the people in this meeting of less than the 190 people in the Giving Pledge, the Giving Pledge meeting, how we, what we want for the future of our democracy, that is a vastly, like, contradictory statement. Oh, completely. Democracy yeah. is where... Everyone has power to <laughs> affect the future and present of their society. You're talking about a bunch of fucking billionaires and and extra and extra generous millionaires uh, <laughs> sitting around talking about how they use their wealth to influence the future of society. And so she's actually talking about philanthropy, not just in terms of the traditional frame of charity, of right. just helping people yeah. in need immediately, but actually influencing the terms of society for the future. That is years. the opposite of democracy. 
50 or 100 years from now. Right. That is not democracy, you idiot. <laughs> Definitely not today or next year. But <laughs> yeah. Maybe in yeah. 50 years things might improve. Well, she's looking at the long game, as she well, says. Yeah, this, this is like the Obama doctrine or the moral arc of the universe is long and bends towards justice or whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's like, in the future, things will be better. Yeah, but... Yeah, yeah, steering the, right the Obama now, thing we, is steering the yeah, ship. Yeah, we can the just barely, slowly, yeah. barely turn that wheel a little bit. So the next question is pretty stupid. It basically has her say Bill uh, believes he should be taxed more and doesn't believe in an estate tax, and that Bill and Warren benefited greatly from being white and being born in the United States. If they weren't born, if they were born in Senegal, they they couldn't have done what they've done. That's right. Like, so they admit, as they have many times, she she. Restates those arguments, their position that they owe do owe something to society, and that they should be taxed more. But for all, but it's not like that's what they're spending their money on millions of dollars on in <laughs> politics to like raise taxes. Right. They'll come out and right. say that as part of their philanthropic program. Yeah, but they're not running socialist candidates who the or the only people in favor of actually doing that. No. They're not right. Like that's what we're talking about here. Yeah, like, completely. You want you want to affect the world. Like it's called politics. <laughs> like there are some people who want to do that who agree with you, Bill and Melinda, that you should be taxed more. Uh, you're not supporting them in elections. No, not at all. It's just so so absurd. I mean, they are making money faster than they can give it away, and yet she still is saying, "Oh yeah, we we believe in being taxed." Yeah. It's like. Well, that ship has sailed. You weren't taxed. <laughs> yeah, right. You weren't it, taxed on all that. Yeah, it's and a lot. If there's any, you know, sort of uh, recompense, she says, I have to think about my privilege every day. So she has to live with that. <laughs> oh, no, and there's some good up. fucking shit <laughs> yeah, in here yeah. about that, about the way she, like... Yeah, so, so the quote that Ian just read, the question is, what's a recent epiphany you've had about your privilege? Or wait, sorry, that's before, before that. So it's leading into this question. This is practically like a Maoist, like, um, <laughs> uh, radical self-criticism, like, thing happening here. Public self-flagellation. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> um, so, so what's a recent epiphany you've had about your privilege? That it's not enough to read about it, she says. You have to be in the community with people who don't look like you. And here's where she... You've all seen that drill tweet where someone gets owned until they turn into a corn cob. Well, she self-owns and turns into one of those in this house we believe signs. (laughs) She says, uh, When I read about a shooting, maybe in the south side of Seattle, I'm not living... Maybe. (laughs) Already she's like... The last two shootings in Seattle I can think of happened in Lake City and before that downtown. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) At least prominent shootings. So, right, but like off the top of my head... But she's like, this tells you something. She's like, ah, South Seattle, I guess. <laughs> yeah. That's where shootings happen. Okay. Where's the bad part there? <laughs> <laughs> well, she follows that up with, I'm not living the experience. Which is kind of like, what the fuck does that mean? Like, really? She, she's achieving a higher plane, Colin. <laughs> she's meditating. She's not, like, witnessing shootings. She's meditating. But she believes yeah. that she should be, to some extent. Like, yeah. anyway. Or, no, no, she just... She needs to interact. It's like a social homeopathy. It's like, <laughs> if she just gets, like, a diluted dose mm, of it yeah, from yeah. that, you know, yeah. that's... Yeah. That's all... That's what 
she needs to be a part of the community. Yeah, it's like an ambient But go on. I want to hear it in her own words. Whereas, if I have a friend who's a person of color... (laughs) Oh, oh, man. Oh, you don't even need to go on. Because there's nothing she could say. Oh, she can. There's nothing that could make this any better. (laughs) Please, make it stupid. They most likely are living that experience. Or know somebody who was part of that community. And so my youngest daughter and I, she has a lot of friends who I'm meeting, and they're very mixed races. I love that. Have this motto that we go Not by. Not that there's anything wrong with <laughs> yeah. that. No, she loves that. <laughs> <laughs> Every single person who walks through our door should feel comfortable in our house, despite how large it is and that it has nice art. <laughs> This so this becomes about is that a humble brag? Yeah, yeah. Seriously, <laughs> this becomes about like her. She, on the one hand, she's like operating on a hundred year time scale and on a global level about how to how a cabal of billionaires uh, use their money to affect society. But really, what she's preoccupied with is her day to day pretensions to normalcy. No, no, this is the money, right? And here. believe me, there are people who show up at my front door who are not that comfortable. So sometimes that means sitting down inside the front door with our dog. And I'm in my yoga pants, no makeup on, and petting the dog until they're comfortable being there. And only if we've made them comfortable can we be in real community. Wow, so she has a service animal that's like <laughs> not meant to like calm her down. Yeah. But like put you at ease. It's meant she she has to go around with a dog in her own home to put normal human beings at ease. Like look. Well, yeah, I'm, she's like it's you like people a, like these, it's like, right? It's I picture like an android petting a dog. Yeah, exactly, you know, that's exactly. like look, it do, it's not even killing it. Look, like, you'd think it would be snapping its neck right now, but look, <laughs> look, I'm not killing this dog. <laughs> even the dog thinks I'm here. <laughs> right, the dog's not na- like baring its teeth and growling at me. See, yeah. see. Oh my god, that it's it's a new kind of service dog. Oh, man. Yeah, damn. So she says, I have to do more to break down those barriers. It is very hard for almost like any- not be rich anybody to show up at my front door. Like the security gates, <laughs> yeah, all yeah. of like her security team, <laughs> right? Like Twenty okay, people were right. there. Yeah. Okay, this is maybe. such a, a liberal thing of like we need to break down the barriers between rich and poor people. Yeah, yeah. We don't need to change the relation, the actual structural relationship between poor people and that. And rich people, and that those two classes exist. No. We don't. We need rich people need to exist, and for that reason, other people need to be poor. We just need them to get along. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, you know what this Preferably is. Preferably in a public way. Yeah. I'm just Think like that. thinking about the the woman who showed up at her house looking like sweaty and nervous, and oh, who is very mixed race. Who is very mixed yeah. race and just like awkward <laughs> and stuttering and sweaty and. Because Melinda was petting that dog and with not no killing on. it. No makeup on. With no makeup pants. on. That woman who came to her house saw, like, a glimmer of humanity and for that reason didn't detonate. Well, yeah. <laughs> 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 Give her a bottle of Perrier water. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Uh, yeah, uh, 
also, I just wanted to say shout out to Flexor. I think on Twitter he said he was going to ride a lime bike to Bill Gates' house like last weekend, and he uh, claimed he did it. So Cool, I hope there, that happens. There might be a live stream of him engaging with Melinda. Okay, Flexor, if you do that, Flexor, <laughs> if you can get us like um, footage of. of you and Melinda <laughs> petting the dog. <laughs> Classic. Um, you, you please, you come on the show and share it with us. Yeah, that would own. So she goes on to say some stupid shit, like I was saying before, uh, that she they're just now getting to Friday Night Lights, just like us. I mean, cent- billionaires are, are just like us. They rock. Uh, yeah, just cuddled up, Netflix and chillin'. <laughs> Uh, One quote that I loved from this was uh, she says that they watch Silicon Valley and then she goes, that's total Total mind mind candy. (laughs) Normal thing to say. That sounds like something Bill would say. Yeah, Yeah, I could see that coming from him. Uh, And then... That that sounds like like something an alien that (laughs) brains would say. Actually, but we haven't got the algorithm quite figured out right, yet. Right. Um, <laughs> so uh, the interviewer goes on to ask a question about the tech world that she most mostly gets right, which is like, sometimes the solution isn't an app, and we've definitely said that uh, a million times. So she was she was kind of on on point there. And then they go on to talk about uh, the experiences of women around the world, basically like talking about genital mutilation and other horrible things which i don't really need to get into but yeah those are bad so we we agree with that and apps are bad too and apps are yeah mostly bad the next line of questioning is all about uh this book that she's put out and um one specific thing that she's really into is family planning and so um she's asked about this basically what the interviewer is asking is like sort of it's unclear where you stand uh on the abortion debate or you haven't been outspoken and so she says i have to think about where my voice will help the conversation and where it will hurt so for today i have chosen to raise my voice in favor of contraceptives there are over 200 million women who don't have them and it would change their life to have them and you're like okay like yeah for sure we should definitely increase access to contraceptives but then she says they're the greatest anti-poverty tool that exists wait i thought that was capitalism or alternatively (laughs) crypto or philanthropy yeah (laughs) but i if you just again like unpack that the only logical conclusion to that statement is the way to eradicate poverty is to, so no if more if poor, poor people, people are breed. Poor. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that is what she's saying. Yeah. Uh, so that sucks a lot. And um, yeah, if if anything, the the research shows the like an opposite, <laughs> an inverted correlation there, which is that when people stop being poor, they stop having so many fucking children. Because of lots of reasons, including they get a hold of contraceptives because they're available to people who aren't poor right. everywhere in the world, pretty yeah. much. Yeah. Um, if you're, un, if you're not too poor, you you don't have as many kids. So, 
I mean, and that's pretty established. That's pretty much understood among even liberals. So I don't know what the fuck she's really talking about here. I mean, she has to be talking. They about... think this, I th- they're, it's like talking about doing like an end run around that, going like, well, if reducing poverty reduces the number of like the birth rate, um, because women have more control over their bodies, because they have more access to healthcare, including contraception, because they have. Uh, different cultural needs uh, and desires around children. And that results in a lower birth rate. Well, what if we didn't actually have to materially impact, like, their financial power in the world? And we could just short-circuit that and, like, jump to having less children? Maybe it all would work out the same. And they could still be poor. And have less children i don't know i mean i just i'm confused by the whole thing well you know where to find her i do yeah petting her dog <laughs> in her foyer with her good art uh yeah so she goes on to say I, uh, side note 100 percent guaranteed the art sucks yeah in their house like well it was expensive i know that for sure but it oh does yeah like suck. name brand trash yeah lots of warhol oh god what's the guy who makes the like um Giant, giant things, the giant balloon animals. I don't believe. Oh, um, Jeff Coons? Jeff Coons, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I bet there's a Coons somewhere in that place. Out in the out in the sculpture garden, maybe. Yes, yeah. yes, next, an, an outdoor one. Next yeah. to the yeah. pool, probably. Yeah. Um, that's very likely. Yeah. <laughs> so she goes on to say, basically, that she's an independent voter, of course. Some years she voted mm. Republican, some years Democrat. Just depends on the candidate. Exactly. Oh, wow, that's some... Wow, yeah. That makes so much sense. That's a, that's wisdom right there. Because... That's pragmatism. Politics... Again, we know that the entire scale of human thought is defined by the right and left extremes that you heard this week. And <laughs> somewhere between there is the wisest position. You dumb fuck. Also, another side note, I was at K&L Gates like a year ago, which is not to get, you know, it's uh, William Gates Sr.'s, you know, law firm. Mm -hmm. Um, That's a very wealthy law firm. I mean, they've got, you know, they've got floors of some tower somewhere. I don't even remember where it was. Um, It's downtown. Which building? maybe? No, No. it's... um, like second in Madison or something? I don't know. Maybe. I, 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 I could get I might be wrong. Um but fuck of course they had tons of art. Like on it was a big this big just white everywhere. And but get off the elevator on the floor we were on. Of course there's just everywhere. It's like and that was one of the things it was like don't touch the art. <laughs> like we know you're unwashed fucking hoi polloi trash. And like you so you know, might yeah. not know not to touch the shit. So we got that, but it was like, get off the elevator, and ahead of me, I was like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. (laughs) There was, carted here, at great expense, and with extreme care, just sitting, literally there, nothing surrounding it, just out in the open, because among the, like, higher beings, you can just have it just fucking sitting there, a however many thousand-year-old... Chinese terracotta warrior, wow. like one of like, I don't know what dynasty those are from, right? But like the dude, just one of them. They, it's you know that they pulled out of the ground, 
just sitting there. Like he's just it's just there, like in the lobby, just standing. Wow. Like Wow. So you <laughs> touched it, right? So I snuck a pinky. Yeah. <laughs> I left a, I left a dark stain, and then the the terracotta started to dissolve. Yeah, from yeah, there. It just breaks apart. I was just like, "Fuck off!" Yeah, that is that's actually mm. gauche, is what that is. Uh, so continuing on that theme of modesty and humility, the interviewer asked a pretty pretty great question, which is, "I was reading the foreword that you and Bill wrote to Peter Singer's book." And if you're not familiar with Peter Singer, he wrote Animal Liberation uh, and many other books. But And it reminded me of a question Singer once asked, which was, to what extent Bill Gates can talk about a moral belief in the equal value of human life while living in a $100 million home? So how do you two determine what a moral expenditure is? And this is where the circuits kind of, like, well, you really can. start you can. Yeah, they really start fraying. You are... A moral aberration at best, okay? You this is not this does not square. This circle cannot be squared. I'm sorry. Like no like only in a moral framework that includes like divine right, okay? <laughs> is this circle squared? Well, she says, we certainly spend money on ourselves. You see it in the house that we built. We won't have that house forever, though. I'm actually really looking forward to the day that Bill and I live in a 1,500-square-foot house. Anyway, just to be clear, the house was being built before I came on the scene. Well, a little defensive. Yeah, yeah. But well, also... Well, and just, like, really, yeah, on, on your back feet here. So, with so, this some, someday we're not going to live like the pharaohs. We don't care. Don't tell me that. I don't care. Per- Fifty or hundred years, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She's, no, I mean she's on a global time scale here. Well, if yeah, if Peter Thiel has his way, I mean they'll live to be like six hundred years old, probably. Yeah. And they, you know, they're at one at some point they'll be senile for one hundred and fifty of that, and so they'll be in like a tiny retirement center flat. For billionaires. That'll be the 1,500 square foot apartment. Uh Retirement home. (laughs) When they need 24-hour nursing care and can't remember what they did uh, the morning before. (laughs) But then she goes on to say, but I take responsibility for it. We've already put a certain amount of money in it. We live in a nice place. But we think about expenditures. We think about, okay, $1,000 we spend on ourselves or our kids is $1,000 we're not spending on somebody somewhere else in the world. She just explained what money is. Or, or like, what that's what rich people are. Yeah, we get it. Well, and we've talked about this, like, so many times, but it's like, you shouldn't have the choice of how that $1,000 is spent for somebody else. That's why we tax you. So that we can democratically, In an actually democratic society, how we to would spend that money. We would just democratically determine how to spend the wealth of society that you have fucking hoarded. Right, because she, and we talked about this too. She and Bill like to go, and this is—I mean, this is all well and good—but they like to bring toilets to Africa. Hmm. It's like we got a lot of problems here at home. That if we had some of your money, we could build tiny homes. We could build all kinds of things here in the states too. Yeah, that that'd be great, and you wouldn't have to think about it anymore because we'd have your fucking money. You wouldn't have this on your conscience. <laughs> oh, yeah. So so then she goes on to say, "I know we don't always get it right, 
but we do think about the world's resources and our resources. <laughs> Which are two comparable, comparable things, and that's the fucking problem! Those are like apples and apples you just compared, you dumb bitch. Jesus. Here's a tiny, ah! here's a tiny example. Up until a couple years ago, we were using plastic water bottles all over our house. My piece is like an infinitesimal drop in the bucket on climate change, but it's like, hey, we have clean running water faucets all over the house. We can pour our own thing of water. Okay, okay. <laughs> what the fuck? I'm, you just out, first you just outed yourself because like that's like uh, I stopped committing crimes. I don't murder people for fun anymore. This is not a thing anybody else does. No one's drinking out of plastic water bottles in their home in their much yeah. less their multi-million yeah. dollar home. We all use glasses, yeah. you alien freak. <laughs> no one is doing this. What kind of fucking psycho just figured out you shouldn't be downing, like, disposable Dasani bottles or water or from Fiji. Yeah, from Fiji. Yeah. Or fucking France. Fiji water from in your fucking home on the fucking train, maybe. Jesus. We do have really good public water. Oh, right? yeah, yeah. You know. Seriously, you live on a lake. <laughs> no one else was doing that. And no, it's less than infinitesimal. <laughs> In what fact, is the definition of infinitesimal? Yeah, because yeah, right. it might be below that threshold. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. The, the, the damage you... Oh, my God. Like... <laughs> I do. I am incapable of doing the damage to the environment than in my entire life yeah. than you are in a day. Okay? Yeah, probably like an hour. <laughs> so we try to live those values as much as we can and do the best we can. Wait, wait, what values? Don't, don't, She's don't saving like, the planet. Don't use water bottles in your own home. Limit your use of plastic. Oh, or recycle it. Maybe. Or re yeah. And recycle it if you have to use plastic. If you're that lazy. <laughs> she has a cheat day for her water bottles. It's like it's Sunday. I don't have to fill a glass all day. Well, and I'm sure it, they just leave glasses everywhere and like every day a robo made, like what was the fucking Jetsons made? Come scooting by. No, but it's like a person in a suit though. Like, <laughs> they can afford real robots. Yeah, because like... Or they're wearing active no, the camo, technology, so you don't even know they're the there. The technology yeah, yeah, yeah. doesn't <laughs> exist, so they have like a fully, famously like, you know, way back in the day, a fully oh, wired yeah. home of yeah. technology which has been probably outdated 75 times and has either been updated or, or actually what I like to believe is that that house on the lake still has like home integrated like multimedia security fucking uh, informatics whatever from 1997 Hell to yeah. this day because like you realize like oh we never used it anyway <laughs> like <laughs> but but to keep up the to keep up the the veneer they make the maids dress as robots <laughs> but the one thing that I want to be really clear is that a vast majority of the huge funds that we have these billions of dollars, they are going back to society. Okay, that's bullshit because Bill Gates' wealth has increased in the last decade. Yeah, yeah, yeah it hasn't gone bullshit. down. It's gone up. Yeah, yeah he's now a cent centibillionaire. Or is that the yeah the term? <laughs> 
Yeah, it's gone from like 75 billion to 100 plus billion in yeah. the last 10 years. Which yeah. I can't even like I can't even fathom that really honestly. Yeah. So then then they ask, "When do you think you'll move to a smaller house?" I wish I knew. <laughs> <laughs> We'll make some lifestyle changes for sure when our last daughter goes off to college, which is in a few years. With the foundation in Seattle, we will be here for at least six months out of the year. But I assure you, if we decide to spend six months somewhere else, it will be in a smaller house. Wait, so wait. So they're... Our She's saying they're going to have yeah. another a smaller house, house yeah. that we will live in <laughs> in addition to the massive yeah. lake house yes. that will be populated merely by the robot yeah. maids yeah during the winter months yeah. it's gray. <laughs> yeah well and you know that's not their second house that's probably honestly like their hundredth residence or more i would be surprised yeah. like with that money i mean why not well they all they all seem to do yeah You'd probably have a place in fucking uh, Malta, you know? Yeah. <laughs> or New Zealand bunkers like Peter T. Probably, yeah. yeah. Bug out yeah. locations. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, bug out. Uh, so then, <laughs> this this interviewer really wants to push her on philanthropy. So they say, to get back to philanthropy, what about the notion that the Foundation's work on an issue like public education is inherently anti-democratic? You've spent money in that area in a way that maybe seems like it's crowding out people's actual wants in that area. What's your counter to that criticism? So if you're not familiar with this, and she will go on to explain it, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation are huge proponents of charter schools, and that is that is their jam. And they've been one of the main drivers mm -hmm. of yeah. the charter school craze. I mean... In addition to um, aid in developing countries, they contribute to um, destroying public education. In the destroying United public education in the United States by making uh, way for for-profit education grifters. Well, yeah. If you like the Jim Crow South, you're going to love charter schools. <laughs> <laughs> and in addition to that, um, bolstering intellectual property law all around the world. That's what a lot of Bill Gates' money goes to, is like lobbying for stronger IP law to protect hmm. fucking tech company patents and shit that they can, so we can continue to make money off shit for, for the rest of eternity. That makes sense. Yeah, good for him. So here she goes. Bill and I always go back to, what is philanthropy's role? It is to be catalytic. Oh. It's to try and put new ideas forward and test them and see if they work. Fail. <laughs> <laughs> test failed. If you can convince government to scale up, that is how you have success. But philanthropic dollars are a tiny slice of the United States education budget. Even if we put a billion dollars They're in the... They're a big slice of the lobbying yeah. for the changes in the allocation yeah. of that budget. Yes. And as we just mentioned, a billion dollars is one, what, like less than one hundredth of their wealth. Even if we put a billion billion dollars in the state of California, that's not going to do that much. So we experiment with things. If we had been successful, David, so I guess the interviewer's name is David, 
You'd see a lot more charter schools. I'd love to see 20% charter schools in every state, but we haven't been successful. I'd love to say we had outsized influence. We don't. So be, so by their own metrics, there are not literally 20% <laughs> of all students in America and, in and charter, charter schools. schools. So that they've failed. Yeah. <laughs> not that they've like... Pushed the conversation towards charter schools. For years, and gotten that, and moved that needle in many states, set up all these dysfunctional schools, taken money out of the public education, further weakened um, teachers' unions mm -hmm. and school boards everywhere, blah, you know, on and on and on. Reduced all, democratic control over yeah, education. Hugely. Yep. On all to, all in the name of making education a for-profit enterprise. <laughs> yeah. And so David, the interviewer, kind of calls bullshit on this and says, certainly you have more influence than, say, a group of parents. And then she has the audacity to say, not necessarily. I went and met with a group of three dozen parents in Memphis. We thought we had a good idea for them. They were having none of it, so we didn't move forward. A group of parents, a group of teachers, they can have a very large influence. Well, they can have an influence on us. Yeah. In that one particular so school. In that right. one instance, we actually asked. <laughs> yeah. See, we didn't. We didn't pull yeah, we're not Betsy DeVos. We so. didn't pull the whole country. We didn't like ask. Go like, is our for-profit schools what you really want? No, we lobbied for that. We advertised. We convinced people of that. But in some one instance that she doesn't actually give us details on, they were shot down by a room of people who thought they sounded like fucking idiots and crooks, and and they and they were like, okay, maybe this isn't such a good idea. They're not ready, though. I believe the South is already pretty rampant with charter schools. I yeah. imagine so. Like Louisiana, notoriously. Because mm -hmm. New Orleans didn't they completely remake yeah. the public education yep. system yeah. after it, Hurricane Katrina? Exactly. Yep. Yeah. 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 Is that what Waiting for Superman was about? Well, I heard that Gates funded Waiting for Superman. Yeah. I was listening to Citations Needed, uh, yeah. thanks to your recommendation, and <laughs> nice. they mentioned that, that he funded that. Because, yeah, he believe. I mean, they believe in that. They believe in yeah, that. Yeah, the Gates, the Gates two-parter <laughs> of um, Citations Needed is pretty good. The rest of it is just more her talking about contraception and reproductive health, which, in general, are good things but we know where she actually stands as a malthusian as our friend of the show brian platts <laughs> um yeah so that sucked a lot and um i mean i have to agree with you greg i think she's an extraterrestrial <laughs> well she's totally out of touch they get by get the gates and warren buffett performing like being in touch and woke yeah but that's man, what it's a thin it's is. a thin veil like yeah that's what the giving pledge is their their insistence you know that they believe they should be taxed more despite that like bill gates isn't running for president on that platform <laughs> like so uh, on like a, on a clawback the wealth platform his dad did help author the state uh high earners income tax initiative which failed spectacularly here. yeah and that was funded by uh, Bezos against it, right? I think so, yeah. I think he kicked in yeah. at least a hundred grand against that. Yeah. <sighs> Thanks, Jeff. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that that shows you that they're not very effective. That 
the things they have been effective at pushing are things that are like turning public services into for profit <laughs> uh enterprises that the entire economy and every other like capitalist is moving toward at lightning speed at whatever possible avenue <laughs> yeah. and that they've just been a part of but if they you know if they choose to actually buck the trends and the capitalist class themselves they're totally ineffectual useless idiots uh so again philanthropy is dumb <laughs> do you think they have more passion for privatizing public services than they do for increasing taxes uh, yes. I think that's pretty clear, but yeah. also I think if we're going to judge them on the level of, you know, if they're doing social... Um, Engineering? Yeah, they're <laughs> lobbying for social change. We can judge them on the level of politicians, which is that they're clearly not effective at anything that uh, doesn't flatter the status quo of, like, extractive capitalism and privatizing social services like uh you know when they're going with the flow of that they're a useful tool <laughs> and when not they're useless useless fools well, that experiment failed yeah well it, it's almost like they have this notion that they're like terraforming society i mean like that it will take 50 or 100 years to achieve these dreams and they're just trying to make earth more habitable for more for their race yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well i think i think that was it unless uh did you guys have anything else you wanted to add or no i think that's that sums it up pretty much i did hear that the giving pledge it's like from citations pod podcast citations needed podcast they said that it's not like who's enforcing the giving pledge how is that how are we going to know that in whenever Bill Gates dies in 150 years, that <laughs> it's going to be, the money's going to be given. I think citations needed said it was like 50 years after the death of either Bill or Melinda that all the money would be given away. Right, so it's not like, it's not like something that just happens when they're dying. Right, because, yeah. because in the, in the logic sure of philanthropy, that, it's wild. like, you've, you've got this money, that, that allows for the foundation to continue mm -hmm. on, right. finding the best, because in these... In the the mind of the philanthropist, they have been given. They've have this wealth uh, for a legitimate reason. Thus, they are in a position, and Gates himself has said this, that they feel like they know better how to spend this money than the government. So he'll talk out of both sides of his mouth on the taxation issue. Mm. Like he'll say, like we know we have better ideas about how to direct this money than the federal government. So that's why they're doing philanthropy. And then they'll pay lip service to, well, yeah, but we think we should be taxed more. Those are two different positions. <laughs> if you're a philanthropist, that's what you're doing as a foundation is finding the best bang for your buck. Finding the ways you can get the best, like, improvement in society. The You know, you can cut the timeline of your terraforming project uh, for the, you know, for the best value. And that yeah. work continues on because it's about getting rid of the money in the most effective way possible. And then, but then to prevent like it just hanging around and paying people's salaries at a foundation forever, which is what most of these people, things really do. Mm -hmm. Um, that there is some timeline on it, you know, to like, okay, well now we've had enough time to find all the places to put our money. Yeah. Now you, you start closing it out and getting rid of it. Yeah. 
But e- e- even if that's the case, again, that's totally anti-democratic. It's an yeah. essentially hyper-elitist way to affect change in society. And because it occupies such a, a large, like, just in dollar value amount of our politics and our economy, it's, a, it's essentially this totally undemocratic, like, way of running our society. It's a key factor, philanthropy, in the way our society operates. And I'll be surprised whoever that last employee of the foundation is. Just spending the last dollar and putting themselves out of work. It seems <laughs> unlikely. It's got to be a golden parachute with that, right? Oh, okay. Know? Like, yeah, they'll get like a five-year severance package, maybe. Or 50-year yeah. severance. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a golden mosquito net, is what 